Hey folks, this is the Golden Voice giving you an intro to the intro. A uh, bit of an odd week this week. We recorded probably the longest podcast in our history and the last, I'll say, hour and 30 minutes is just flat out unusable. Um, every so often we have these weird audio technical issues where I just have trouble getting it from you know, location A to location B, and then when I do, it sounds weird, and it's just not usable, um, which is unfortunate because uh, this week, even though it was a long one, was a really good show with uh, actually some good, serious content that I think, even uh, in the absence of humor, you all probably would have enjoyed, because, you know, if you know us, you, we can take a serious moment and then quickly dive into a dick joke and then come right back to serious. So unfortunately, the last hour and a half is not going to be available. So you're going to hear just a, a weird ending. Um, so I apologize for that. Because it was as long as it is, though, um, you're still going to get plenty of show on the front end. It's just not going to end the way it traditionally does. Uh, with that in mind, you can pretty much disregard a lot of what we say in the intro because we had no way of, of knowing all that before uh, before we got to this point. So enjoy the show. Enjoy the intro. Uh, apologies to Superfan Allen for shitting on Charleston, uh, but you had it coming. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week for episode 57. Hey, folks, sorry about last week. Uh, ha! <laughs> and sorry. Sorry about last week. Really, I mean, I'm not gonna say sorry for this week, yeah, but I will say, yeah, I'll say sorry for this. As week. silly and ridiculous as 55 and 50 and or 54 and 55 were, as much fun as you may have had listening to 54 and 55, 56 is a serious episode. <laughs> See, this was a TED talk. A, 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 te- a tequila-fueled serious episode. That had no end in sight. It just kept going and going and going. And let me make one more point. And let me ask you what you would do to fix the American economy. Yeah. And let's talk another hour about this. Uh, well, so I knew instantly when I asked that question, I yeah. was in for a. I, it was a stupid thing to do. So no fucks giving if you quit listening halfway but, in, because you will have listened to probably I, two hours of the can show. I say at that something. Point. I want everyone to. Of course, listen. But I, I don't make any apologies for this episode. I, think, yeah. I, 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 I normally I'd lead out with yeah. an I'm sorry, all that stuff that yeah, we do for fun. Everything we'd love uh, to get out in a Facebook post that we never quite. Well, can. I, I've done a, it, it. No, I disagree. I, I wish I could be saying the same things in a Facebook post, but. Facebook posts are about as fucking important as a pile of dog shit these days. At least here, I can say it. Yeah. There's a voice to it. There's 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 another person that's either countering or challenging my position. I'm not saying that this one didn't have its funny moments because it certainly did. I think we had some laughs on this one somewhere yeah. in between. This was an us episode. It's like when Clooney says, "Well, I made that one for them. I made yeah. this one for we, me." Yeah. We we've made this was our episode. Uh, Fifty five of them for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe fifty four. We probably had another one like this in the past, but we, this we one made fifty for you. Th- yeah, th- <laughs> some of them we made for no one. Yeah. But yeah, no apologies for this one. We talked about some serious shit. Whether you agree or you don't agree, tell us why you don't agree. Reach out. Go to email. the email. 
go to the Facebook, or yeah. we don't have Facebook, but go to the fucking Instagram. Tell us why you don't agree with yeah. it. Challenge us. Seriously, if you don't fucking agree with it, and I don't care if it's family or friend, tell us why you don't agree with it. Give us give us talking points. Tell us exactly where you, you fucking divulge on the issue. Yeah. You know, chal- like I said, challenge us. But... I don't apologize for this episode. Yeah, I mean, we'll be clear from the onset. This this is not a show for everyone, and if you get bogged down and quit, I don't think if either you, of us would blame you. If you live in Charleston, it's not your episode. <laughs> it's lengthy. <laughs> it's opinionated. It's serious. That's just this show. When you look at the timestamp, you're gonna go, Jesus Christ. What's funny is Alan's gonna look at it and be like, Oh, a long, a really long. I'm so excited, and then he'll start listening. Well, yeah, Alan, just for you, the Charleston shitting is like... It's just for fun. It's maybe the first quarter of the episode. There's, yeah. there's There are three quarters that come after. You just keep... That are yeah. heavy. And, you'll, and you being a Trumper will really... Stru- That's another thing that bothers him. Oh, no. Yeah. He's not really... He says, <laughs> I think he is. Yeah. I think it's like a... Yeah. Well, we'll say this. For those of you who think you can stick it out, there's a secret word... At the end of the show, if you and if get you to get the get end, that far and uh, listen, if you cheat, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll know. If you fast forward to the, if you read the last page, you shouldn't even said it. Maybe I'll cut it out. Or yeah. maybe we'll change the secret. We'll word. change the secret. Maybe word. after this recording, mm-hmm. we'll record. Just yeah, a the fuck up was telling word. them that there was right. a secret word. We'll in the record intro. a new secret word yeah. when this is over, and yeah. I'll just plug it in at the end. <laughs> we'll make a new recording that says the new secret word is. Yeah, because you've ruined it now. Because they're right, gonna go to the end. All right. So there's a new secret. If you know the, if you get to the end, if you listen to this, <laughs> and you hear the new, not the old and we'll secret, specify. and we will specify, then you will get a gift. And I'm telling you, it will not, it's not just a bullshit gift. You'll get something. Yeah, we'll we'll finally make Andy. I don't care. T-shirts if, and ICP paint, and we'll mail one to. If you. Matt Matt in Perth, if you're not still upset about the Catholic thing. <laughs> Which you probably, if you're hearing this now and are not upset about it, you'll be a little bit confused. <laughs> but if you if you get to the end, yes, I will spend the eighty dollars to ship you something that might be worth five <laughs> to get it to Perth. Totally. But you have to tell us the new, not the one that's going to be replaced. Right. Secret right. word. And on that note, in the spirit of keeping this short and the fact that I have to pee, let's end the intro and we'll do that new word and we'll be done. Holla. Hey, this is Terry Funk for TPTO Pod, coming to you live to talk about AdamandEve.com. I heard you got balls big enough to come in a dump truck, so why don't you head on over to AdamandEve.com and get yourself some kind of supplement so you can come into a bigger dump truck. I'm told that this is a special deal. You head on over there, you get you get 50% off any one item. Jesus Christ. So far, you ain't shown me shit. I like saying it more aggressive like that than I did in the, the final cut of the film. You head on over to adamandeve.com, use promo code TPTOPOD, and I'm told there's more to the deal. You get 50% off any one item. Musty fucking do. You also get three motherfucking adult DVDs. Who's watching DVDs? <laughs> I want Blu-rays, motherfucker. Can I stream it? <laughs> You're a dead man. You also get a free mystery gift and free shipping. What if somebody called my mama a whore? <laughs> Is she? That was his line. R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. 
He, he no longer has balls big enough to come oh, in a dump truck. He has not come in many dump trucks lately. Continue. Well, head on over to adamandeve.com. One more time. Use promo code TPTOPOD at checkout. Boom. You're you a get dead man. Fifty percent off any one item. Three free adult DVDs. Free shipping. And a free mystery gift for you to come into. Oh, I love coming into mystery your gifts. huge balls that I heard about. Your balls preceded you. I thought you'd be bigger. This, <laughs> this is Terry Funk for this Bob thing of ours. Terry Funk Jr., I guess. TPTO. TPT up on a checkout, motherfucker. Fuckers. <laughs>
Instagram supermodels I follow is from Australia. I always assumed she was from the UK because she doesn't have a sp- particularly thick Australian accent. Sure. But uh, I think she's even from Perth because oh. she made reference to it when she like whenever she goes back home. It's like, all right, <laughs> all right, all right. But like, it's just not what I picture because I follow another Australian uh, supermodel named Miss Tina Louise. Which was really, oh, I've seen her. Which her yeah. name was really frustrating because when I first discovered her, she posts all these photos that are nudes, but because of Instagram, the nipples and the vag are you know sharpie markered out. Mm-hmm. But that but that means that you know that a nude photo of her exists. So if you Google Tina Louise nude, what you end up with is a bunch of bikini photos from Ginger from Gilligan's Island because her name was Tina Louise. Oh, the internet. Do you is get not, that one naked? No. Oh, that's a unfortunate. But the internet's like, oh, we don't know who you're talking about. Basically, like, mm. no, the the Australian one with the. So have you tried Tina Louise Instagram? Nude. I have. This was a while ago. I have since found naked photos of her. Oh, so you're not telling. <laughs> I'm just saying. Initially, on uh, upon first Google, it's like. Damn it! No, not this Tina Louise. The, funny the hot blonde you, tan you, one with you the fake boobs that actually look good. You weren't. Oh no, you weren't like no. But eventually, I did. <laughs> you, you left like a faux cliffhanger there. Like, yeah, I get that's it. good pot. Yeah, no, I get it. It's fine. Good pot. No, she has since she has since made more nudes available. So they're good they're for out her. There. Good on her. Good on her. Yeah, she's she's got a big smile, but it's pretty because <laughs> she's got like really white teeth. You know. So tonight's movie is Lock, Stock, and. Two smoking barrels, and I'll let's give it two minutes before we brush it off and move on. I'll let you take the lead because I don't even remember the context of the movie. It's a uh, this was like Guy Ritchie's like big bust out film. This was the one that made him, I mean, I won't say famous, yeah, but I'll say this was like the <clears throat> one that put him on the map as a filmmaker. Speaking of him, did you know that he's the director of Aladdin, the new one? Yes, shut the fuck up. Kristen told me this Can yesterday. You prove this. You have the phone. Kristen told me this yesterday. This can't be true. Because we, because she was listening to the podcast with me. Because our anniversary was Tuesday, so we we spent the day. Did you together. see my comment on that? I did. Thank you for that. Did you? You clearly probably did. Taco <laughs> chore. Yes. It's. Uh, Come on. What happens this is our Claire, What happens at Hotel Claremont stays in Ho- Hotel Claremont. Ridiculous. Fact, you definitely taco in, chore. In fact, I got an email from them. You know, sort of uh, searching for a review. And the, e- and the email uh, title was, oh, Brent, if these walls could talk. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, they have cameras in the rooms there? And then it was just them sort of like asking for reviews. But uh, my goodness. On the ride home from the hotel, we were, listening, Guy Ritchie. we were listening to last week's show. And she was like, Guy Ritchie's directing the Aladdin movie. I was like, what? Does that mean it's going to have a bunch of like if fast it, No, if anything, it just makes it more disappointing. <laughs> because I go back to the casting room. You got Guy Ritchie sitting at the table. Yeah. Saying, I, I just honestly hope he was like, are we making a mistake here? <laughs> and no, and Listen, because he's Guy out. Ritchie. Hear me out. I know we, I know, but I know we just did the Meg this, and it was kind of a turd, but what if we made Jason Statham the genie? God damn it. it right, so what do you be wanting for your first three wishes? Here's the thing, though. And, th- and this is what I've said about Snatch and this film that came before it, Lock, Stock. This is actually a movie where Guy uh, Jason Statham is actually a real actor. Right. He's not the transporter. Right. He's not some muscle bound fucking moron that 
can just do action. And this movie, you he's an actor. Yeah. And you can follow it and be like, ah, oh, he's actually pretty good. But present, as present day Jason Statham, like the Meg Jason Statham, has the physique that I'd like to achieve. You're never going to achieve but it. But we'll never put yeah, the effort in again. Stop, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, he looks like a... I was at the gym yesterday, and I was, like, thinking the same thing. <laughs> and I was, like, working out real hard. And, there, you know, it's, like, all the mirrors, as we've yeah. discussed in yeah. the past. And I was, like, looking at myself. It's like, what are you doing? He well, has, just, just go to the sauna. He has the physique of, like, an MMA, like, trainer, but not an MMA fighter. Like, he's in shape. He's got abs. He's got pecs. He's got muscles. But he's not huge... And he, he doesn't seem like overwhelmed. He's he's it's no. Like, that's the physique I, I would. I guess what I'm saying that'd is that'd be my first genie wish. A hundred percent. But what I'm saying about this film is that when you look at these four guys, this is your main core of actors, right? Uh, and you got Statham, and I don't really, I really don't know the rest of the, these guys. Well, this name. guy was in the Rockstar. He's made this guy, and he's has Mr. Made a, Hyde. He was Mr. Hyde. He's made an incredible career for himself. He was in the rock star. He was the singer of the band that got kicked out that Mark Wahlberg replaced. He has that scene where he pulls the wig off. And he's like, and I'm just the queen. And the rock star is basically the same story as a star is born. I love the rock star, by the way. We should do the rock star. I, I, Maybe. As, as corny as that fucking movie is, I love that movie. But the, the cook in this film, one of their buddies, he was in uh, Band of Brothers. I mean, I, this, I knew that. this is a, no, this is an amazing group of actors and it's an amazing story but I can't I mean just fuck man Guy Ritchie Aladdin you were sitting in that you were sitting in that meeting when oh by the way I, so can you really trust his judgment though I mean he was with Madonna yeah. <laughs> that's a good point but the day after we potted last week I went into work and I kind of did a uh, a poll because everyone in, at work is very excited about Aladdin, and are you guys I, doing a special pop for it? No, but I, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not bring any name brands into this. But I just kind of queried people, and I said, I mean, because for me, per, it's like I said, I'm reserving judgment. Mm. But everybody there is so excited, right? They're ready for Aladdin, right? Right, and I was like. Will Smith, man, and they're like, he's great. I was, it, it just amazed me that to a T, everyone was like, oh, he's great. And I was like, are you not remembering that he's basically just nothing now? Like, if if you look at his IMDb, I was like, tell me what great films he's made. Yeah. And the only one they could come back with is Independence, Independence Day. Day. And someone says Men in Black. And then a couple people say Bad Boys. And I was good. That's 20 fucking years ago. Yeah. Like, what has he done for me lately? So I said, on our pod, we mentioned a few potential replacements that we thought would have been better. And I threw out the Jack Black. And you would not believe the pushback. No, it's horrible. Horrible? Well, I'm sorry, but the people you work with are stupid. I'm not even <laughs> arguing it. <laughs> But I was like, horrible? Like, if you say... Chris Farley's corpse would be better. I guess I, I guess that was my point. It was like, horrible? Really? Horrible? It, would it be that bad in comparison to Will Smith? Like, horrible? Get the fuck out of here. And then I said, to our points, as we texted over the next two days, I said, okay, Ricky Gervais. And they said, uh... And I was like, okay... Maybe not. Mm. But then when I said Seth MacFarlane, they were like, oh, that would have been good. So, but I was like, it doesn't, 
Will Smith, man, just based on what I've seen in the trailer, there's no chubby guy in Aladdin. Yeah. And the genie, the cartoon genie, and we really shouldn't do, like, volume two of shit on Aladdin, <laughs> but the genie from Aladdin, while he wasn't big-bellied, he was big and jovial, right? He was, you know, he was round. You know, he had round features. He was round, yes. So, I mean, you picture Jack Black... With you know uh, a soul patch and blue, because the thing that we didn't touch on last week, the initial images of the new Aladdin were, I believe, a photo shoot for Entertainment Weekly featuring Will Smith and the the two lead actor and actress, yes. uh, Aladdin and, and Jasmine. Yes, yes. And the internet just blew up over the fact that Will Smith as the genie wasn't blue, so they made him blue. They made him blue, and that's what made that's what made the second round of headlines. Because in a rush to meet this demand for a blue genie, they did this horrible CGI for the first teaser trailer, which then got ripped apart for how terrible it looked. But they it looked terrible because they had no time to do it because they had to turn a scene where he wasn't blue into him being blue. And then since the full length trailer has come out, you now see blue versions of the genie. You see flesh tone versions of the genie. Which, in fairness to the story, if you think about it, the cartoon Aladdin, when Prince Ali is making his entrance and the uh, genie's leading the way, and then, and then the old bazaar, he's not blue. He's flesh toned. <laughs> he's beat the galloping hordes. A hundred bad guys with swords. <laughs> that whole moment. You've definitely been seeing this film a yeah. lot. Yeah. He's not blue in that scene, so maybe that's the scene where he's not blue, but he's blue the rest of the movie. Regardless, he's still a fucking dog shit choice. Yeah. I mean, Rain Wilson would have been a good genie. Oh, man. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, just in terms of, like, I, he came to mind for some reason in relation to what we're watching, I, and I couldn't tell you why. Oh, because of the Meg. I mentioned the Meg. The fucking shark from the Meg would be a better genie <laughs> than Will well, Yeah, that was such a bad film. By the way, I gave it a second watch because it was on uh, HBO. Well, yeah, and we, what, were you watching it Tuesday? No. Oh, because it was to say, like, when the anniversary uh, festivities died down and it was just time to kind of, like, hit the sack in the hotel room, turn on the TV, Meg's on HBO, we watched the Meg, and it was terrible. It's not good. And I own it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> why, do you why do you own We've it? We've been over this. We bought it because Kristen wanted to watch it on, like, in-home movie night, date night, and that was the only way to watch it was by buying it. It's... It's not an excuse. <laughs> it just isn't. I agree, but I have it now. Yeah, well, the good. thing that I said when we were on our anniversary was, I love the, I love the, uh, the escape you get from your everyday life when you go stay at a hotel, like because we're laying in bed. There's no couch. It's a hotel bed, and we're channel surfing. It's like when's the last time the you can remember surf. channel yeah. surfing? Because when you channel surf, who watched the kids? Uh, they were at my in-laws. Okay. But I was like, I love when you go on vacation and the TV's not yours and the cable's not yours, so you just have to surf. And then you, the minute you land on fucking TNT and half of Lethal Weapon still playing, you're like, fuck yeah, and you just leave it on. Yeah. Like, and if it was at home, we'd we'd be on the 45-minute mark of, you know, what to watch on Netflix. Yeah, sure. Well, imagine that and then multiply it by, like, when you're in Paris. <laughs> and you have... 145 channels only three of them are English speaking mm -hmm. and so 
just to tie it back into what we were talking about, because how it went, you land on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And you're like, thank Jesus for anything that's English. Yeah, I mean, you're you're so ready and willing to settle for anything vaguely familiar. Like if Con Air was on... Just to bring, yeah, you give Alan just a to shout Alan. out. He was really upset. I, I I don't really get it. The text I got was like, I'll, "This is the last one I'll ever listen to." And over, I thought I was like, did, "Did we say something offensive?" Maybe Alan's I don't Catholic. think we, I don't think we shit on Alan. Is he Catholic? Does he diddle boys? Maybe he loves Code Red. Maybe he loves Code Red. Maybe he loves to diddle boys while he's drinking Code Red. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> I you see what you did, Alan. Yeah, you should have stayed quiet. <laughs> Shit on Alan. Yeah, your new your nickname's Rusty. <laughs> Alan, and it doesn't even make sense. Rusty is happy to have a nickname. And so, to be a e- so happy to have a nickname that he's already signing off his Facebook messages with RBK. RBK. And what was funny is that when you said it to me, you said RBN because I'm an idiot <laughs> and I didn't realize how to spell not. <laughs> but Rusty Balloon Knot did respond, not totally happy with his nickname, but not. <laughs> Also, but happy to have a nickname. Yeah, happy to be the super fan that has a, a nickname. But yeah, Alan was upset that we didn't mention Con Air during the uh, best airplane. It's because Con Air is a terrible movie. It's not good. I I, I actually uh, did a Facebook. I was up late one night. It was like eleven thirty. Alan's over two so far between Con Air and Starship Troopers. It's not good. Now don't <laughs> shit on Starship Troopers. I'm not going to go down that route with you, but. I'd watch Peaky Blinders before I watched Starship. Would you just stop? Uh, yeah, he was he was mad. But it, I started thinking. I was like, dude, it's not a good movie. It's star it's star filled. I give you that. You got John Malkovich oh. and Nick Cage in the same movie. Yeah, what's the big and John Cusack is still alive? And Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. And Steve Buscemi and Dave Chappelle and Danny Trejo. Like there's yeah loaded. The li- the list goes on, but. That's a uh, we're not even saying John Cusack. I said John Cusack. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's the tequila. Because <laughs> this is a Saturday. But at at 8.30 at night. The most, you, the, <laughs> mo- the most you could say about Con Air is there's a lot of fucking well-known dudes in it. That's Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite Nick Cage movie? And uh, don't say Leaving Las Vegas. We've already discussed that one. That is my favorite, but if I had to say not related to... What's your favorite bad Nick Cage movie? Or just... Well, there's some I haven't seen. Um, He just did a horror film that people liked a lot. Oh, Mandy. Mandy's fucking intense. I actually... Mandy, you need to be on psychedelics probably to really appreciate Mandy. Well, I won't appreciate it then. (laughs) Um, My favorite... Nick Cage film, bad or good, was not leaving Las Vegas. For me, it's probably either Face Off or The, the Rock. Rock. Yeah, it's The Rock. I, I, we, we did Face Off for the pod, and I thought it was okay, but uh, The Rock. The Rock, he's like the the, the anti-hero, kind of, like you want him to Stanley, win. He's Stanley Goodspeed. Yeah, Goodspeed. Goodspeed. Yeah. Let's go get some fucking rockets. Go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> I like when he's playing his Just guitar. so you know, she was the prom queen. I like, I like it when he gets his mail and it's a Beatles album on vinyl. And he's like, you don't know good music. And then and then his girlfriend comes home and he's playing the guitar, but it's not plugged into an amplifier. And he goes, bring. And yeah. 
And then they have sex on the roof, apparently, because they oh, have that's rooftop access. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco, man. And they find out that they're pregnant. I, I love The Rock. It's a, it's really a good movie. Michael Bean's <laughs> like, in it. As far as Michael Bay films go, I think it has to be tippy-top of the list. Some people might say Armageddon. Fuck Armageddon. For the song alone. <laughs> it's just sad for Aerosmith. The, they're in their flag. 40 years of being a band, the only number one hit they ever had that they did not write. <laughs> Fucking Aerosmith, a band that like ex- ex- existed in the era of like blowjobs under the table. <laughs> Cocaine out of hookers' buttholes, rock and roll. Steve Tyler licked my mom's face. That's a true <laughs> story. All right. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. but Licked it. I, okay, but they they came up in the era of rock and roll groupies. We're talking like a beach right after the show, sweaty dong and all, like probably fucked in an elevator, then wrote that song, like and then and then their 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 biggest hit in terms of charts was a fucking Bruce Willis Ben Affleck space movie. That they didn't write. It was a song written for them. Steve Perry. Steve Perry. So tell the I didn't I don't know this story. Uh Mom was a, I mean, when we were kids, she was a big Aerosmith. I mean, way back, yeah. before we were even around, she well, was a big Aerosmith let's fan. Let's not shit on them too much, then. No, I'm not shitting on anybody. She's not listening. Uh, yeah, well, she is, but she's still in the 30s. low 40s. Yeah, low, 30s, low 40s. <laughs> uh, big, she was a big Aerosmith fan, so we, we... I could see that. When we weren't, like, when we, we went on road trips, it was always Inya, right? Who can say where the road goes? Right. But when it wasn't Inya, for a lot of times, it was Aerosmith. So, like... It's it, funny that that's what you remember Dude, looks trips. like a lady! It's funny that that's what you remember about road trips, because some of my, like, like burned-in, like, memories of, like, driving to the beach with mom and dad in the car was dad listening to Sade. I love Sade, not Sade. Sade. Well, it's spelled S-A-D-E. It's Sade, but and she's awesome. But those are my memories are are him list putting in the Sade album. That makes me love your dad even more because I love <laughs> Sade. Uh, but she would pop in Aerosmith, and they had their album Big Ten Inch, which of course is very suggestive uh, of the, a record. Yes, w- right. Minus but two the, inches. But you get it, <laughs> right? So we grew up on some Aerosmith, and I like, uh, you know, you're my lady. Come and save me tonight. That was like my jam. I loved Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. So when I got a little older, you're like, why do you love Aerosmith so much? And she was like, oh, I just grew up with it. Went to a few of their concerts. And then the story comes out because dad's told him the story. <laughs> and she was backstage one night at an Aerosmith show. Mm-hmm. And Steven Tyler and the band come off. And originally, as it was told to me, he kissed her. Mm-hmm. And like, so he was high as fuck. Right, they padded it because you were a child. Right, but I'm saying they. It was always that he was inebriated. Whether they didn't say he was, you know, coked out or on drugs, but he was, as we know. Hmm. But when he came off stage, my mom was there. They were backstage, and he walked over to her and cowboy just, hat or no cowboy? I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> um, it was Aerosmith. Yeah, it could be. Could it be. could either way, <laughs> but uh, she was standing there, and Steven Tyler walks over and. What the real story was was that he just literally took that tongue mm. and went from chin to forehead on the side of her face and just licked it. 
Hmm. Yeah. So she's got that going for her. It's funny you're. There may not be much of a story to tell, but you're talking about your parents and celebrity interactions, and I know that your dad just recently had a nice long chat with Vince Vaughn. Where'd you hear that? Mom. Oh, yeah, he called me the night of. He said he was at a bar called the uh, Fish Bar. It's a sushi fish place, Was this in, like, Manhattan? Yeah. Then he sat down, um, ordered food, and then got a beer, and apparently... uh, just heard the guy next to him say, where are you from? Because my dad does sound country when you're in California. Which is funny because he doesn't... a little Barnesville. He doesn't... But if you're here, he actually sounds normal. Yeah. But in California, in Manhattan Beach, Probably. no matter what he says, yeah. it sounds a little country. So the guy next to him said, where are you from? Dad turns around. It's Vince fucking Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And they spend 20 minutes just talking to each other. And what's funny about that was dad was like, he was clearly buzzing. Which is weird because Vince... Like six months ago, he might have a problem because he got busted for a DUI in Manhattan Beach. He lives out there. Mm. And so this is the second time he's had a, a bump in with Vince Vaughn. Uh, one of them was in a, a, a grocery, Ralph's. So last time we bumped into him, he was in the car with him when he got pulled over for the DUI. <laughs> yeah. He was actually my dad. But he's, he's like, hey, let's do another shot of you. <laughs> no, Are you driving? They had a really. 20-minute great conversation. He's like, the guy's really cool. And I was like, I'm sure he is. He's fucking buzzing. Anybody that's buzzing at a bar is going to have a great conversation. Yeah. And then I told Kristen the story, and she was like, I would have, it would have been so hard for me to resist not to ask him just to call me a, um, a beautiful baby. <laughs> like, like, well, it, the, like, like fucking swinging, like, beautiful babies. Can I um, say something? I think that movie's garbage. You don't like swingers? I think swingers is one of the worst worst most beloved films have you seen made the no. other one that they made uh-uh. it's like a sequel it's like a follow-up kind no. of why why would i if i just told you that i thought swingers was hot fucking garbage well, i say that to say made is not nearly as good as swingers when you compare the two together i don't think swingers like putting good mm-hmm. is a is a joke it's an indie film from the 90s with no budget uh, that has i'm a- not judging it because it's indie and had no budget I'm judging it on the response it got. It's overhyped, but in hindsight now, it's like, look at all of these basically like children who have become mega successes. You've got Ron Livingston, you got Vince Vaughn, you got, um, uh, what's his name that's behind all, all that Marvel, all the Iron Man shit? Why can't I think of John Favreau? Yeah. Like, that's that's the reason I think people hype it now. At the time, it got hyped because it, it was an indie film, but... I mean, it's not good. I, I can't. I can't. I can't take you seriously when I know you want to defend Starship Troopers. At least a stapler just fell. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard of Casper Van Dien, bro? Yeah. Who gives? A I'm fuck? just saying. <laughs> I'm not. Look, if you if if someone told me you have two choices tonight for films, Swingers, and it was Swingers or Starship Troopers. Mm. It's 100% Starship Troopers every okay. time. Because yeah. they're both horrible. They're but at least... CGI Lala Right. But that's, that's fine I'm by I'm going to watch a film about guys who go to Vegas and get drunk and try and fuck girls because I can relate to that. That uh, Good for you. Let's take a safe sex real quick. Safe sex. <laughs> you want to order that yes. food? Yes. Right, let's get back. <laughs> 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 All right. So just for the listener... 
airplane mode is not on because we have some delicious salads on the way and we need to make sure that the Uber Eats guy can can call me if he needs to. Yeah. Delicious salads. Salads with quinoa and beets and slivered, Avocado. And slivered almonds. Slivered almonds. Healthy fats. It's oh gonna go great. It's gonna go great with this Savignon Blanc that we're sharing. What we're definitely not doing is having tequila shots with McDonald's. That's not what's happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mentioned a way to get under uh, Superfan Allen's skin. Well, we were doing the shit, you know, we, we shit on Sean. Right. And uh, let's, let's that's make, worn, we've worn that out. Let's um, make the rounds with the rest of the, the we, crew we, from we, your, we, your we, work. Yeah. Well, and we gave Rusty Balloon Knot a pretty great nickname that he is owning, but yeah. not exactly happy with. Well, you know, when Kristen and I were, this was pre-marriage and then post, because of her schedule at, at Leon's, Every once in a while, she would have a weekend off. And in the Leon's days, we had no expenses, like no car payments. Rent was like six fifty. No children. No kids. Bills were super low, like because we didn't have any lines of credit. Like I, I miss those days. Like rent was six fifty. The phone bill that we shared was like one eighty. And then apart from that, you had power and gas, and and that was it for a tiny apartment. So. I mean, and stupidly, like in hindsight, it's like we we made money hand over fist back then. She worked mm-hmm. at fucking Leon's, like where you could clear like a grand in a weekend if mm-hmm. you worked two like doubles. Like yeah. you could make a shitload of money in tips. And we didn't set any of it aside. He was like, fuck, let's go do something. <laughs> so like there was a lot of trips where it was spur of the moment. I remember I was getting uh, off of work early on a Friday. She was off Friday and the entire weekend. And I was like, let's go somewhere. Like, I don't have to work this weekend. You don't have to work this weekend. We've got money in the bank. Let's go somewhere. Like, we got to be able to drive there. I'm not say, suggesting we go buy plane tickets, but let's go somewhere. Sure. And this was the first time we would ever probably go out of town together. And I was like, let's go to Charleston. I've never been outside of the visit to the USS Yorktown in fifth grade. <laughs> like, let's go there. There's shit to do in Charleston, right? No. Actually, no, there's not. <laughs> We did stay at a really cool hotel that was historic and supposedly haunted. By and, by African slaves? Maybe. Yeah. But the whole time we were there, every time we would go to a local spot, I'd be like, where's like the, like the, what I wanted to say was like the little five points or the East Atlanta village of Charleston. Like, where's the edgy side of town with the, like the cool dive bars and the tattooers and the. Like, where, where can we go where we'll fit in? And every time I would try and phrase that question to a local, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> Fuck. And then, you know, you look across the street, it's like, oh, there's Bubba Gum Shrimp. It's, this is all starting to add up. And that, by the way, is on Market Street, which is like the hub of culture, apparently. They'd be like, if you went to a new town, they're like, oh, yeah, go down to go down to Bourbon Street. That's where all the culture is. And you get there, it's like, oh, look, they have a Chili's right next to a Grady's. Is that an Olive Garden? Fucking, well, of course, this is the cultural hub. And I, just, and I had a friend who lived in Charleston because she was in college somewhere near there. And she was like, yeah, what's your... We met up with her on, like, day two. And she's like, yeah, what you're asking for? Like, there's a little strip of like tattoo shops, but there's not really like a, a an area where like artists and like cultured art types hang right. out. Like what you're 
It's like this is really like a town for like old people and yuppies. Yeah, well, that's so. Here's the thing. I don't know Alan right now is just, he's got fucking anger. He's goosebumps. about to murder someone yeah. while listening to the yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. which is a first. Yeah, that it probably isn't, but he's so <laughs> mad right now. But when he comes up to Atlanta, which he has to do quite often now because he took a job for a handshake, I'm gonna leave that just for him. We can come back to that if you want, but. Well, when he comes uh, down to Atlanta, let's be clear. When he, yeah, when he comes down to Atlanta, this, this is, yeah, that's a okay. request. Uh, he always says, this is the worst city ever, Atlanta. Well, not when compared to Charleston. And that's my point, though. But I think his thing is like, oh, Charleston, we have two rivers and we have coastline. and. Oh, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> because when we were in Charleston, Kristen said, you know what, while we're here, we should go to Folly Beach. That's where me and my family used to go. And I was like, you know what? This city kind of sucks. Let's go to Folly Beach. <laughs> and we get to Folly Beach, and it's got to be the fucking ugliest beach I've ever been to. As you know what? This beach is great if you're really into gray skies and brown sand. I mean, what do I know coming from the Gulf where you have blue skies, clear water, and white sand beaches? Why mess with any of that when you can have hard, compacted brown sand and gross Atlantic water and just garbage skies? It's like, oh yeah, this is a great beach town. <laughs> he, he's literally pulling off the road right now out of anger. He's not gonna. Li- I, 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 we should probably just unload on this now because this is the. He's not listening anymore. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, oh, the the beach that's within driving distance. That's the saving grace to living in such a boring town. And then you get to it, it's like there's no there's no culture, there's no sightseeing, yeah. there's not like you don't need binoculars for women in thongs because I mean, the how only many people around are elderly. And how many ghost tours can you go on, especially we when it's that. like, we especially when it's like, well, nine out of the ten ghost tours are about all the African slaves that were sold here. And it, Alan would respond, "Yeah, they did that in Atlanta too." Jesus, that was a heavy pour. I definitely don't want that one. But it, it just well, the thing is, is that. I actually, you're shitting on it. I'm shitting on it. I've had good times in Charleston. I've been, I've been many times. I've had good times there. I've had great meals there. Uh, I've seen sunny days there. I've seen some overcast days there. I don't mind the city. I think there's far worse places to visit. That is yours, by the way. Thank you. It's far worse places to visit. But I just love shitting on it because he gets so mad. And it's like he knows that I'm only doing it right, j- to literally just get underneath his skin. And he can't control his anger. It's like his biggest thing about Atlanta is like, well, at least Charleston isn't the biggest sex trafficking hub in the country. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because this is a hub. People come here. Yeah, it's a big city. It's, a big, it's an actual city with the world's largest airport. And actual things happening. Yeah, people want to be here. That's right. why there's more people to be sex trafficked. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in Charleston. People in Charleston are like, what, do we, what should we do today? I don't know. We could go to that bar with the dollar stapled to the walls and go back to Bubba Gum Shrimp. And if you want, in between, we can pop down Market Street and buy fucking shell jewelry. <laughs> there's like, I, I haven't been on that one ghost tour that's not about African slaves. <laughs> I heard it's just yeah, okay. It could be cool. I don't remember much about the Charleston trip outside of the things I've already highlighted. Other than like when we discovered uh, uh, there's one there's one in uh, the Lindbergh Station area. Should it's, we call him? We could. That'd be fun. 
because he get, he'll hear this before the phone call. There, you might know the name of this place. It's in Lind- the Lindbergh Station area, and it's like there's like a wall of frozen adult drinks. So you can get a hurricane, or a, it's like it's like a bunch of daiquiris with the alcohol already in them, and they just it's like beer taps. They just pump you a drink and they hand it to you. Right. They had one of these in Charleston, so we got day drunk. Charleston has that going for. We got day drunk on a patio, Dang. and I remember smoking cigars. Even Kristen had one. Mm-hmm. But, My first cigar was in Charleston. But I mean, outside of that, and the the bar with the dollar bills and the ghost tour, it's like I don't know. Might wait for this. Might have my meal first. I was like, I just, I don't know what people come here for. Like, I mean, like okay. I, when we went to New Orleans, I had something similar happen because I knew Bourbon Street is not our street, but I didn't know where the fuck to go. So for a while, we were going to places where like the dinner tab was like eighty dollars, and I was like, where's the fucking East Atlanta Village of New Orleans? There has to be a shady, art artsy tattooer. Uh, music venue side of this town. Where the fuck is it? Because it ain't on Bourbon Street and it ain't in these restaurants we've been to. And I've told the story before. Once somebody saw my Dwight Schrute tattoo, like, oh, you should check out blah, blah, blah Street. And then once we found that, I was like, fuck yeah, like dive bars with dollar PBRs and and that sort of, you know, edgy culture that we were used to with Little Five and East Atlanta Village. That doesn't exist in Charleston. No. It's a very hoity-toity place. Charleston is great if you're 60 and you have money in your pockets. Which is actually a funny way to put it. I, when I, I said to another coworker that it's really easy to get underneath his skin with Charleston hate, she made the point that Charleston's a great city if you just live there. Don't work there. Right. If you just live there, and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, basically you have to be 70 to enjoy Charleston. Yeah, you got to be retired. You can't be, a, you can't be a service worker. In Charleston, you can't be a bartender or. Uh, oh yeah, no kidding. God help those people. Like, there's no way. You, getting... you can't be a server. You can't be a bartender in Charleston, and that like, their big thing now is they're, uh, you know, they're they're coming on the scene with their with their food, right? Mm-hmm. So like you got Sean Beer or uh, Sean Brock, and these big chefs that are making a name for themselves in Charleston, but those are just fucking chefs. I mean, uh, come to Atlanta. We could. We could match them chef for chef here. They probably want to. Uh, they seriously, <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. If Sean Brock was like, "We're going to move our entire establishment to Atlanta," and then people like Alan would be like, "No, I'm losing my argument." <laughs> <laughs> he is so. I'm telling you right now, he's so. Let's mad. call him. Let's do it. Let's just call him. We'll, got him right we'll make Sean or, or not Sean. Well, well, sorry, Alan. We'll make uh, we'll make Alan defend Charles. Yeah, we're, we're going to make Brian defend. defend Hey, what's up? W-F-U-C-K! Bam! 97.5! Superfan Alan Bono, we're going to need you to defend Charleston, because that city sucks! Oh, there it is. (laughs) So, uh, just for when you do download this particular podcast to ride around in silence and not kill anybody, um, we we definitely kind of had a shit on Sean moment here for a second. Yeah, where we shit on Charleston. Where we shit on Charleston. Uh, I I only did it because I, I mentioned to the Golden Voice how much it bothers you. And yeah, it hurts your feelings. It, it hurts your, you say it hurts your feelings? Can you turn your volume Yeah, it hurts my feelings. Feelings. So, tell, uh, so you'll hear the episode later. <laughs> and. <laughs> hey. Yeah. 
So uh, Golden Voice is going to get our food real quick. Uh, can you defend Charles? Like, what is there to actually do? Uh, you know, there's a lot of historical things, Austin. This is uh, this is the birthplace of secession, which is all about uh, states' rights. And I know, uh, you know, I sound like I'm a big stars and bars kind of guy right now. <laughs> so outside of being the birthplace of secession, like – you you shit on Atlanta constantly, but like where where in Charleston, where's the culture? And I don't mean like the white. Yeah, we're uh, not talking about bubblegum shrimp. We're not talking about bubblegum shrimp on Market Street. Where's the actual culture in Charleston? Well, we're all trying to be a little bit like Atlanta, so we've got our pockets of hipsters, and you can't tell if they're homeless or hipster. Yeah, but where so. is that? Because I've been to Charleston at least ten times and never seen that pocket. Neither, neither have I. In fact, I had a friend who lived in Charleston because she went to school there, and when I was specifically said, like, where is the little five points or East Atlanta village of Charleston? She went, we don't really have that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's trying to come around. Uh, I would say the Avondale area. Or uh, right where our office is in Park Circle, um, you know, there's a there's a guy sleeping on a couch today in our back office, and I said, "Who is this?" Unsure if he was homeless or hipster. So that's- <laughs> Would you land on homeless or hipster? <laughs> I threw his couch away, so I hope he's homeless. <laughs> so what you're saying is the artist and uh, culture is struggling to find a home in Charleston. You're not really selling Charleston yet. I don't know. We don't like artists and culture. <laughs> no, I picked up on that. Between, between bubblegum shrimp and the puka shell necklace on Market Street, I didn't get much of a artist and culture vibe. I did enjoy the bar with the dollar bills stapled to the walls, but that was about the gist Where was that at? Somewhere on Market Street. Somewhere on Market Street. Yeah. Okay. After we enjoyed our frozen daiquiri. Uh, did you have any she-crab she soup while you were there? I don't Nobody think so. likes she crab soup, That's, Austin. I, I knew this is where this was going, so I mentioned it. He says, so that's like their staple. When you watch the travel shows, really? everyone talks about Charleston and she crab soup. Okay. But according to Alan, no one in Charleston likes she crab soup. It's strictly for the tourists. There's, okay. Hey, you know what? There's a little restaurant you would come to, and they serve she crab soup. And I hope there's nobody in Charleston listening, because I don't want to bash this place. But it's a super fancy restaurant right on the water, and they're famous for their she crab soup and their shrimp and grits. And it's pretty much the locals call it the Shoney's by the sea. <laughs> Applebee's on the water. <laughs> All of you tourists fall for it, and they go buy that crap. Nobody eats she crab soup. No, My wife ordered a bowl. And I- <laughs> I'm curious if Alan can defend Folly Beach. Yeah. <laughs> take that you wanna, to know. Well, when you listen to the episode, you'll hear Brent ex- uh, kind of extrapolate <laughs> on his experience at Folly Beach. Tons of fun. At Folly Tons Beach. of fun, and there's a, quotations around that. But can you? Maybe give us some insight into your experiences at Folly Beach. Yeah, I, I grew up four minutes from Folly Beach, so I know uh, the fun that was there could be there. Uh, it's a it's a dirty hippie village for sure. It, uh, that's all there is to it. Gray skies, brown sand, sounds awesome. Nope. Oh yeah, you know I've heard I've actually heard you talk about Folly before and how you're like, oh, the shitty Carolina water. Yeah. And I, it's you know, gross. it's yeah. It's not clear Gulf Coast water, you're nope. right, but nope. it's still the water. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> it's, it's this, is the best defense. <laughs> this is the best defense of, a, of an East Coast beach. Hey, listen, it's not beautiful clear water, but it's still water. We don't, we don't have bikini-clad thong teens on spring break. We've got old aging hipsters in brown water. It's still water. No, <laughs> 
I, in my my defense for it, and I don't want to sound like I'm the kind of guy that has a salt life sticker on the back of my truck, but <laughs> it's better than fresh, gross pond water that you guys call a lake. Oh, oh okay. okay. So it's, uh, I like the shade. I mean, I, I don't go to m- many lakes. Well, you know, yet. we made our lakes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's just, you know, that is what it is. Your body of water is natural and gross. <laughs> Oh, all right, you went. He's getting mad. I told you. Yeah. Just wait till he hears the the before we called. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you're a fan of the gray skies and the hard, compacted sand and the elderly people. It's much better than watching, you know, perky, you know, big titty teens in Panama City walk around in thongs. As far as beach life goes. Salt life. And then when you're done with Father Beach, you can head back to Market Street and eat more bubblegum shrimp. <laughs> All right, listen. We love you, Alan. It's only it's only for content. Please, when you're listening to the yeah, episode, don't turn it off. We, Just don't turn it off. We got tired of putting Brian on the defense for Florida. We figured, yeah, we'd attack shit Carolina on Charleston for a, for a second. We've been shitting on Florida for far too long, <laughs> so it was time to shit on Charleston. It just had to happen. Understood. I appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> the uh, the food was delivered in the middle of that. Uh, yeah, and it's time that to exchange, eat it. So let, let's get the chow on. Chow. <laughs> now we're recording. Oh, God, I feel better. I hope the listeners enjoyed the crap mm. on Charleston. Mm. This could have been a really bad decision. <laughs> the shit on Charleston. The shit on Charleston. Charleston. Charles, come down here. Come down here to Market Street for your slaves she and crab shrimp. soup Get some and bubblegum shrimp. Enjoy the gray beaches of folly. <laughs> down here in Charles. We got old hippies. I imagine Mick Schmear. Mick Schmear would have spent some time in Charleston. Mick Schmear bought a house in <laughs> Folly Beach because he couldn't afford a house on the Gulf. <laughs> Mixmer was like, I would love to have a house on the Gulf where I could see big titty teens walking around in thongs during spring break, but that's going to cost way too much money. So I'm going to buy a house in Folly Beach where I can look at old people occasionally walk past my window. <laughs> Mixmer, Mixmer, he buys a house at Folly Beach because he can't afford one in Destin. Mick <laughs> Eats dinner three nights a week at Bubblegum. Mick Sweet puka shell necklace, bro. <laughs> Mick Shout out to Rusty Balloon Knot. New City Lex Culture. Mick When um, Rusty Balloon Knot said Mick definitely came out to a Creed song. <laughs> I had to give him credit for that because yeah. what was funny about that was when we left it off. You know what wasn't on the air, as is very common in our podcast. Right. We we have these moments that are just blow. We it, really all it is is making each other laugh. Right. Which we hope makes other people laugh. It seems to. We we think so. Um, My wife's a fan. Um, but. Um, what the listeners, all eight of you, and hopefully we didn't lose Matt in Perth. If you're Catholic, we're really sorry. Uh, cross uh, the line. Cross the line, I think. I, mostly Golden Voice. Um, but Shouldn't be what the listeners don't know, so like with, with Mick Schmear, that, that killed us. So like <laughs> we went home that night and we're texting until midnight 
back and forth about nothing but Mick Schmear. Yeah. And I mean, I could go back through the text. I mean, it's, it's just golden. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I tell you that when I'm at home after a pod and we're doing that based on a, a you know a segment that just we just found to be hilarious. When I say I'm dying, I I'm saying that I'm being scolded. <laughs> like upstairs, the wife and kid are asleep, and I'm getting the text message that says like you got to be quiet. <laughs> and, and she's like, what is going on down there? And it's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just me. <laughs> Laughing at it's this me bit. laughing at a text message about a fictional right, about person a fictional, named Mick a fictional professional wrestler named Mick Schmear, <laughs> who is the antith- antithesis to Ric Flair. But you can't like when I come home. One of my favorite things is like, was it a good pod? Lee always asks me. Yeah, and I'm pretty honest. I'm like, you know, we've had our pod nights where I'm like, it wasn't great, and then we listen to it and we're like, mm. it wasn't bad. Yeah, and then then we have nights like last weekend no, we or last week kills mini bear episode. Yeah, where it's you like, have your kills mini bear. Yeah, like like yeah. I don't care if nobody likes it. I fucking I, love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't like we know. When, it, it, like you might do two and a half hours of material, that's just okay. Yeah. But if you hit that fucking vein of gold that right. is Mick Schmear or right. kills mini kills mini bear or, and the list goes on. I said this to Kristen the other day. I said the thing that I think that. I, I hope people realize is this entire show is from the hip and improvised. So yeah, we like, know, we I, so like we even I, just and I'm gonna interrupt you just because it's fun mm-hmm. to roll yeah, roll yeah. reversal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like in the past, I've even said like, should we sit down and discuss an idea, or mm-hmm. should we talk about the week's events leading up to the pod? No, and we've never done that. What we've we never, stumble into, like when I said. Like when I was pretending to be Peter, and I said like, "We'll make it an oral history." Oh, that's a, that's a, it's a little bit of foreshadowing. I'll let you figure it out. Like, Kristen thought that was hilarious—the oral history of the Catholic Church. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I thought of that." I thought of that at that moment. I didn't plan that and say it later. <laughs> like I thought of that in the moment. It wouldn't have been as you would have known. You would have known if that had been. A set-up line. If we had a, a script here in front of us, yeah, exactly. you would have easily identified that that was 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 kind of forced. Exactly. But that, when I come home, like Lee's like, how was the pod? And, and like I said, there's nights where I'm like, it was good. We need to bring better energy or I need more white. I don't say that. Uh, I need more vodka next time. I need more vodka next time. <laughs> but uh, like, like last week, I come home and she's like, how was the pod? And I'm like, I can't tell you how much how good this was <laughs> and and she wants but in her cre- to her credit she wants to know she's like what made it so good i'm like <sighs> then you're put in this box of like mm-hmm. okay i have to describe rick schmear you had you, you get put Nick in the, you get put in the you had to be there box but you can't it's like 56 episodes you can't just keep saying you had to be there because you're mm-hmm. never going to be there but what leah her her thing is she was there for right. like 30 of the episodes. Right. She was upstairs hearing it, and that's why she never listened, because she heard it live. Mm-hmm. And she would come downstairs, but y'all are fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but now she's disengaged a bit, so she's yeah. like, how was the pod? And I'm like, it was great. Or it was just, <clears throat> eh. And, but she's like, what made tonight so good? And I was like, well, okay, you know WWE? And you're like, fuck, why even start this? <laughs> like, you know I love Ric Flair, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, we kind of created like a bizarro Ric Flair, and we named him Mick Schmear, but it smelled schmear. And it, it, once I say that, it's like, goddamn, how far am I going to take this? You know? Like, I know. 
Kristen, because Kristen said the same thing. Like, well, no, it's spelled smear. It's pronounced smear. <laughs> There's a French apostrophe <laughs> at the end the, of smear. That's the whole beauty to his characters. Every time he gets in the ring, he has to grab the mic from the announcer. Goes, it's pronounced smear. And also, we created. We said in his song that it was going to be Rick Schmear, but he only had enough money for one take. And they fucked it up, so now it's, you know, Mick Schmear, and he has to walk to the ring with that, and when he gets to the ring, he takes the microphone and says, uh, just to clarify, it's, it's Mick Schmear. It's Schmear, just for the room. I only had enough money for one take on the song, and they sang it wrong, and I wasn't there to, to oversee the operation. So it's- I was at the unemployment office, and then I had to go and pay child support. It, it was my weekend with my kid. Uh, Dave, I think is his name. Um, I think his name is Dave. I don't know. My wife named him. I, I really don't know much that much about him. But, the, <laughs> but his name, but my last name is not Schmear. It's it's Schmear. Um, it, it looks like Schmear, but anyways, if, you, if you pay attention, there's an apostrophe, so it's Schmear. Anyways, I'm gonna put Macho Man Randy Savage in the figure three tonight. <laughs> That's my point. It's like Leah Clapper and yeah, like, Leah, Leah wants the deets, but it's just like you had to be how, there. How do you, yeah? But it's it's easy. It's, it's e- right. It's easy to say like you had to be there, but it's like how do you describe that kind of like that moment? You had to be there, or you're gonna have to listen to really understand, because it's not like we. It's not like we sat down. And said, all right, at some point, we've got to uh, conveniently stumble into the comedic gold of Mick Schmear. I, 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 we, uh, we got there completely organically. A quick thing. I, I really need to use the restroom. Take a quick sec. Uh, six seconds. That salad's doing its work. No. Well, that was intense. <laughs> we don't have to say what. But Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a it's a very I can tell you one thing that we need to uh, to handle real quick that, that AC cut off. I said it was going to at six. Oh, it is I, warm. I can I can pump it back on. At this point, there's no telling where we left off mm. without going back and listening because of that that long pause. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't even really know what you want to talk about. No, we could. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this beer you keep uh, hyping up. It's a good beer. I feel like Lockstock is nearing the end. Yeah, it's like 18 minutes away. We've barely touched on it, which is not new for this show. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, come on. I don't know enough about this movie. So to really we even let's do a beer review. We got Creature Comforts, which I, I enjoy. Reclaimed Rye, Amber Ale, aged on French oak. Should we? Before I try this, sh- should we speak glowingly from the Catholic Church to try to get Matt back? We don't know that we've necessarily lost him. I do think we lost Alan. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe Matt was just working hard or on vacation and he just didn't message this week. Maybe we're just spoiled on Matt messaging us after every episode. <laughs> he doesn't always message, right? But. It's kind of close to always. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's batting a thousand. Like, it's close, but... <sighs> All right. Creature Comforts, Reclaimed Ale. It's good. It's a dark-colored ale. It's you not, look really tired. It's I, I actually rubby. think the McDonald's is hitting you harder than it's hitting me. 
Son of the McDonald's is the ninth shot of tequila. Nine? No, not really. On a Saturday? Five. Mm. Four. On a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> At 5.30. Well, it's 6.30 now. And the McDonald's has absorbed those first three. I mean, it's it's still hoppy. All right. I, you know I like Creature Comforts. I, I, I even like Tropicalia, but this is... Let me do a second one. You need to drink the can and then make the decision. Because like all beers, after you're so many sips in, then you could really determine whether or not you like it. I mean, what do you want me to do? I just gave it two honest sips. <laughs> it's not good. All right, if you don't like it, you don't like I'm going to finish it. But you're not a beer guy. That's true, but I'm going to finish it regardless. It's just, how can a, a rye amber ale still taste like hops? It shouldn't. Well, they put hops in their beer. Because beer's made with hops. I understand, but like it, 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 this shouldn't taste like an IPA. This is the thing that that drives like my my father-in-law definitely, and then other older guys. Maybe my dad. I don't. I don't know so much what he as far as what he thinks about beer, but like whenever any of that sort of fifty and up generation, like, oh, like it's hoppy. Like, okay, when I was four or five, or whatever age, and somebody, probably my dad, let me taste Coors Light for the first time. Like, yeah. you can have a sip and then walk away. The thing that made it revolting at five was the taste of hops. That's what makes beer taste like beer, is hops. It's bitter and hoppy. When you're five and you've never tasted any kind of beer whatsoever, even Coors Light tastes like hop garbage. Eventually, you hit 17 or 18, and you're allowed to have some at the pool. Then you turn 21, and you build up an appreciation for the flavor because of the ultimate end result. You get a buzz out of it. The thing that I've always said, like in reference to my father-in-law and some of the older guys, like, oh, I don't like that hoppy beer. It's like, what you're saying you don't like is the thing that five-year-olds don't like about the beer you do like. Right. Like, you just don't like beer flavor. You've gotten used to this watered-down Mick Ultra, Coors Light, Bud Light, whatever, beer flavor. Corona. Corona. And what you don't like about IPAs is the fact that they taste like beer. Because mm. whoever decided to design that beer profile was like, let's take the taste of beer and amplify it. And we're also going to increase the alcohol content. So instead of a meager 4% Coors Light, we're going to do a 7.5 Tropicalia IPA. Mm. We're going to throw in some citrus in there, too, to sweeten it. Like, what you don't like is the taste of beer. Your your sort of beer palate stopped at 17 and never went beyond that. Yeah. But those are beer drinkers I'm addressing. I don't expect a vodka and scotch drinker to love beer. I, I mean, there's plenty of beers I, I enjoy. I'll buy Athena next time. That's a See, Athena is a poolside beer. It is. Well, and my the thing about Athena is it, it pairs best with tequila because there's virtually no alcohol content to Athena. Yeah, it's, it's like, like four and a half percent. Yeah, it's you you'd have to drink like nine of them to achieve the buzz of like two or three of those. What's the alcohol? That's probably five or six. Five and a half. Yeah. And look, like I said, there's Matt in Perth is laughing. Ah, like, oh, you and your low alcohol beers <laughs> over in Australia where we have like eight percent beers with nuclear fallout added. <laughs> He's not listening anymore. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> We're only speculating because he didn't write. I just hope he got to Mick Schmare. 
you know, well, he was, I, he had an appreciation of American wrestling to appreciate they, the yeah, trope I mean, the of Austra- I mean, your average Australian knows who Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair is, right? You would hope. Come on, fight through the McDonald's. It's the McDonald's and the tequila and, and ah. just, just the day in general. Give me more than that. It's got to be the, the McDoodoos. See? It's the McDonald's. <laughs> I'm sleepy now because of the McDonald's. But you know what? It tasted really good. I'll, I'll actually give you credit tonight. Tonight's McDoodoos was quite satisfying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, well, you had, you had like a triple threat. I did. I did. I went with the, uh... Oh, God. Now I'm tired. Tell the people. I don't want to tell them. You had the filet of fish. <laughs> you had a cheeseburger. Just a single. A single, which is, it's like a crystal slider. <laughs> and a fry. A medium fry. And an unsweet and tea. An unsweet you gotta watch tea. those calories. <laughs> It's not unlike, and I know I've shared on the pod, when I pulled away from McDonald's once after Kristen ordered a double quarter pounder and took a sip of what was supposed to be a Diet Coke, turned out to be a regular Coke, and she went, ah, oh, but I'm, I wanted the Diet one. I'm like, why? <laughs> what what difference does it make now? <laughs> You're getting ready to eat a double quarter pounder. Like, what are you concerned about? <laughs> and, that was, and that was like back when we met. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, when Lee and I met, she was all about some McDonald's double cheeseburgers. I, it was actually a running, it still is. We don't eat it anymore, but she would call it McDonald's. It was like she's not very, she's not country at all, right? But when she would say like, "Let's go to McDonald's," I'd be like, "It's McDonald's, McDonald's." Is coming to America? It's McDonald's, not McDonald's. But she would always say McDonald's. That I mean, I've I have had plenty of black friends. In the past, is yeah, you know, going back to like oh, you've got football. black friends. No, what I was gonna say is my like when I used to play rec league football, my my black friends like at seven and eight, they called it McDonald's. Hmm. And Adam Carolla has a very he's he recounted this before about like growing up in the seventies, how you used to have fast food commercials that were marketed towards the black community versus everybody. And I guess maybe everywhere, but definitely in Southern California, he grew up. He's like I remember vividly the. McDonald's commercials that were marketed towards the black community of California because it it came with the song about the black ownership of this particular location and mm. it was I own my own McDonald's in the neighborhood. Is <laughs> so overtly racist. <laughs> but that was the song that they used to play on these McDonald's commercials in the seventies that were black owned and black marketed and black in the staff. neighborhood. In the <laughs> you can only afford my food. <laughs> when Kristen and I went to see Pete Davidson do stand-up a couple weeks ago, there was a comic that opened for him named Derek Gaines, who's a young black guy, and he had a, a bit about how food commercials for white families are different than food commercials for black families. Mm. And he had this whole bit about everybody's happy that Mama done made them biscuits and the baby's gonna have himself a biscuit today. <laughs> He said, but if you listen long enough, especially while you're stoned in the middle of the night, you start to hear the message come underneath. Everybody's happy that Grandma done got glaucoma and the family's gonna all be rolling legal doobies today. (laughs) (laughs) 
He did like nine of them. And like on the fifth one, he's like, are you white people uncomfortable? I'm going to do one more. And he- <laughs> I didn't know y'all went and saw Pete Davidson. He was funny as shit. In fact, you know, his dad died in 9-11. And even on SNL, he's done jokes about mm-hmm. that. And the couple we were sitting next to, you could tell they were they were older. I'd put them in their mid mid to late 40s, and you could tell they weren't married. And the, the woman's laughing at these jokes because, the, you know, I mean, we've talked about this in past episodes. Like, you know, Jews kind of got through the trauma of the Holocaust by joking about mm-hmm. it. Pete Holmes or not Pete Holmes, Pete Davidson is getting through the trauma of his dad dying when he was a kid by making jokes about sure. it. Sure. So he's making, he's up there making 9-11 jokes. I think the joke he was making was I often think about how like people have famous last words and how my dad's last words are probably like, oh fuck! <laughs> I know. That's such a good joke. Especially if you're the son of a <laughs> fireman who died well, in 9-11. Also, and, because it, he is in the... There's... Okay. So, like, if you, if you look at the George Carlin stance that everything's funny. Yeah. Or, or like, Ricky Gervais is all, widely quoted as saying, everything can be made a joke. So, for Carlin, it was like, rape can be funny. Right. Imagine Porky Pig... Raping Elmer Fudd. That's funny. Yeah. Right? That's how you make rape funny. It's all about context. It's all about delivery. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, the, the modern day liberal so- social justice warrior would, would say would, otherwise. Yeah, right, and I get that. And that's but, the problem that we have in yeah. this political, this PC culture. But, like, it, when it comes to 9 11, if, if you honestly try to tell someone who lost a father, brother, uh, wife, husband, son, daughter, that they couldn't make a joke out of it, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. If they're man or woman, if they're strong enough to say, it doesn't matter what I say, it's, it happened. Yeah. So let me make a joke about it. Yeah. So that I can deal with it. And I can not, I'm not here to rationalize. I'm not here to defend it. Humor is how people cope with tragedy. That's why comedy and tragedy in the classic sense of, of theater went hand in hand. That's how you cope Not, not only that, I actually heard, uh, I heard an interview with Ricky Gervais talking about Afterlife, which you should watch, and everyone that's all eight of you that are listening should watch on Netflix. But it's a dark, dark, dark. I, honestly, it's almost not even a comedy. It has moments of, of comedy humor. of humor, yeah. but it's mainly a dark story. Uh, but he expressly talked about what I loved about it was Australian sixty minutes. So sixty minutes, apparently, like the show we have that started here in America is syndicated worldwide. I, I have to imagine there's countries that have their version of 60... And it's called 60 Minutes. Mm. You know what I'm talking about, CBS? Yeah. The little ticking clock. Whatever. Yeah. Well, the, the Austra- yeah, the Australian version, they have a 60 Minutes, and if Matt in Perth was not pissed off about the Catholic thing, he could fill us in. But <laughs> I can't wait till next week's email. Like, wasn't mad, just busy. <laughs> Still love the show. Well, we hope we get that email. Here's a new picture. But, uh... Here's the nuclear fallout. Um, but he, they were talking to Ricky, and he was saying, comedy is the sixth sense. And he wasn't saying, like, M. Night Shyamalan. He was saying, literally, like, you deal with the real world through the visage of comedy. Like, you deal with the shit that makes you sad <clears throat> by making it funny. That's right. what makes his... That's why people look at him as controversial, but only in the sense that he's only controversial because he says things that 
don't mesh with what you believe. Right. That might challenge you to think outside of your... So Pete Davidson making a joke about his dad. Yeah. and Because that's a great crafted joke. I mean, people have this idea like your father, your mother, your aunt, your brother, your sister, your wife's dying, and they have these beautiful last words. Yeah. Whereas if you've heard the 9-11 tapes of those people in the buildings, I mean, the the worst one I've heard is some guy, he's on the phone with 911, and 911's doing the exact wrong thing, telling him to stay put, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't have. Right. But they couldn't have known well, that. in so hindsight. In right. hindsight, yeah. they couldn't have known that. They're telling him help's on the way. He's telling they're he's telling them I can't see, I can't breathe. This is all you know. Like and the last thing he says that you that before the thing cuts out is oh fuck like that's it, mm. and he's dead because the building yeah. collapses on. So Pete Davidson taking this. Oh, yeah, he's oh shit. <laughs> he did like six versions because he's like his dad's a fireman and F an FDNY fireman. And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know what my dad's last words were. Nobody knows because he died as a fireman in 9-11. But I have to guess. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> or, oh, fuck, I can't drink anymore. Because, yeah, believe it or not, I found out my dad was a raging alcoholic. He's like, my, my dad's fireman friends when I was a kid used to tell me how cool he was. But now that I've turned into an adult, like, oh, your dad used to do so much blow. He's like, the whole picture has changed now that I'm in my 20s. And so, like, I have to imagine, like, his last words, like, can't do rails anymore. Fuck! <laughs> and he's just doing these jokes. And you can tell, like, this is his dad. Like, if anybody's entitled to make these jokes, yeah. it's the kid who doesn't have a father anymore who's trying to work it through, right? But the dude sitting next to me has to be the shortest man alive that doesn't qualify for dwarfism. Yeah. He was a tiny man. <laughs> he's sitting there with his tiny little arms folded. And he's just shaking his head, and his and his date's like, what's the matter? He's like, this is not funny. This is not funny. I'm like, man, fuck you. Like, you came to a fucking comedy show. Yeah. You're going to sit here and police what is and isn't funny? Like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Like, you're ru- like, he's ruining the vibe for the whole row, because he's just sitting there making a stink for, like, the last 20 minutes See, of the show. If I'm, if like, I'm Pete, fuck off if, then. If I'm Please. Pete Davidson, or just anyone that has the balls to go up there and, and to make those kind of jokes... I isolate that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like... Well, in this theater, there was no way to see him. Okay. It was a big room. But But you see my point. Like, the person that tries to to police Mm -hmm. the comedies, this this isn't funny. Yeah. Like, no, it is. You're just a piece of shit (laughs) who is clearly harboring some weird fucking... We get it. You voted for W. Things didn't work out. (laughs) Let it go. Everybody's happy, then daddy stop beating mama, and the children won't have to witness domestic violence today. He had like nine of them. And the best was like when he got to like some of the ones that were really uncomfortable, and the room kind of went, he's like, you white people are like, I got two more. And he would do it again. He's like, Jesus Christ, this guy is fucking funny. And he kept saying the N-word, not Pete Davidson, the, the, the he kept saying it so much, and, but he used it in such a funny way where it's like he's in fucking Atlanta, like, and the room's like a mix of laughter and uncomfortable, and yeah. it's like he was by far the perfect opener for Pete Davidson to come out. Pete was Davidson, the punchline? No, it was at uh, the Loft or one of those triple uh-huh. venues on West Peachtree. Yeah, but you can tell that Pete Davidson is seriously uh, sort of anxious and like because whenever people would like applaud and like 
like cat call like in between bits like woo I love you but like shut up don't do that I'll leave <laughs> and people would do it I was like no seriously I'll fucking leave <laughs> like, he's all for laughter but when people are like you're sexy he's like shut up I don't want to hear that yeah. like you could tell that he had a bit of uh, discomfort with ac- with the accolade of it all yeah accolades of it all but yeah I mean he, he ended with 9-11 jokes about his dad and that's when he was like this hasn't been fucking funny. This isn't funny, right? <laughs> well, go cry in your fucking shamrock, you Seriously. fucking weirdo. Yeah, like, I guess it, it's... He came to a comedy show. It, you laughed at the N-word jokes yeah, earlier. Yeah, you were quite content to laugh at the N-word jokes. But, but the, the kid whose dad died when he was like 9 and 9-11, you know, that's a bridge too it, far. It, it's a conversation that Lee and I have had several times in the sense that... I'm not going to say that I have a... A higher plane of understanding of comedy mm-hmm. because I chose to study it academically. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't have any patience for people that will try to like that guy police poli- humor. police humor. Yeah, because if we don't have humor, it's like stripping us away everything. Well, Larry Charles, the guy who's behind Borat, Seinfeld, or religious, religious. Um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I think it's on Netflix. He he went to uh, like some scary fucking African nations, like Uganda and, and some other places, and some other places where like like AIDS is still widespread. Um, I think maybe it was Uganda or a similar African country where like rape is so common that it, it's alarming. And he made this docu-series about all these African nations where they're using comedy to sort of, in, in a similar way that, like, Jews use it after the Holocaust to sort of... Uh, cope? Cope with it. Mm. Like, he said, you go to this... Maybe it was, it was Nigeria or Uganda. It was a, an African country you've heard of. He said, you go to this country where, like, the odds of being raped as a woman are higher than they are not. And you go to these comedy clubs... And they're making rape jokes about the rape that's happening around them, right. and they're all laughing about it because right. it's the only way that the sane people can deal can deal with the uh, just obscenity that surrounds their culture because they're obviously they don't want it to happen. But they're he said you come here, you make a rape joke, and you have to deal with a nineteen year old college sociology student like that's not funny. It's like well over here and. You know, you got where it that, actually happens. Where they're being raped, like between their yeah. car and their front door, they're making jokes about it as a means to cope with it. But over here, it, it was a, it was he was on Bill Maher, I think last, yeah, last week, week, talking yeah. about it, and it was like, God damn, like our fucking, it's the youth of this country, the the social justice warrior liberal youth are going to alienate the Bill Maher all the way down to my generation air quote liberal it's like fucking lighten up right shit is far worse it's, in the rest of the world I, than I, it is here I, and I, they're joking about it i think the the hope there is that the young generation who have been coddled and i'll say that as much like mine was but never spent time away from their phone right never understood life without the internet yeah. as we did uh they'll get it eventually because yeah. what they'll see and and for me this is what I often talked about in my lectures was comedy at its core holds hands with absurdity mm-hmm. so what we see is absurd and something we can't 
wrap our minds around is where the true comedy is born. So like, and and when I use that, the context was try to wrap your mind around a killing machine. And this is not, we don't need to go too deep into this, but try mm. to wrap your mind around like a killing machine like, like Auschwitz, mm. like Treblinka, like Sobor. It's absurd. Yeah. The, the manpower needed to <clears throat> kill on a mechanical scale. Right. Like the lifespan... And, and, and one thing I've always encountered is everyone knows Auschwitz. Well, it's actually getting alarmingly low how many of those same 19-year-olds don't know. The social justice warrior at, at 19 now, only 50% can tell you what Auschwitz was, which yeah. is fucking scary. Yeah. But for those who are, they always mention it's always Auschwitz, Auschwitz. Yeah, the demographic that's quick to defend, like, uh, Omar, what's your name, for making anti-Semitic slurs because you don't want to offend Muslims doesn't understand that you know worldwide you have entire Islamic cultures like Iran that on the most extremist degree deny the Holocaust even happened and they completely sidestep the fact that it, it did happen and they murdered millions of Jews right. and now they're rushing to defend a more modern culture that is a denier of that event because right. they don't want to whitewash society and be offensive to them and it's like fucking Take nine steps backwards, <laughs> take skin tone out of it, and realize that there's a lot of fucked up shit in the world, and you're you're rushed to defend brown religion while you're eager to make fun of white religion. Right. You're, you're just replacing one problem with another, and they both have there's both there's issues with both of them, and you're completely sidestepping and missing the history of the Holocaust that the one you're eager to make fun of might have defended and the one you're eager to support is totally in favor of. Right. Like, there's so much nuance that is lost on the modern uh, liberal. It's no... The modern college liberal. It's no wonder why you do have BPHs out there who's 21, almost 22, who's, like, who feels isolated at college because he identifies as conservative because there's so much fucking retarded... Sorry to say the R word shit coming out of the social justice warrior crowd. No, it's just two sides of retarded coin. But, but what I what I was talking about mm. absurdity and you're not wrong. I, I just you're not you're not wrong at all. You're, you're right, but when the when the people that know what I'm talking about, they hear Auschwitz, they immediately that's what they identify with. That's that's the one they know, right? Mm-hmm. Auschwitz-Birkenau. Yeah. That was the killing center. And I always just remind people you you need to understand there was hundreds killing centers that was the biggest but if you came to Auschwitz your life your your survival rate was never good to be clear at any of these places mm-hmm. but Auschwitz and in particularly was a working camp Birkenau which was right near it was the death camp so like if you came in for selection you know you stood a 50 50 chance if you and it, it really came down to age so mm-hmm. if you're a child or an old person you're you're selected, and you're not going to live long. Whereas a place like, but if you're our age, or any kind of working value, they're going to put you to work Yeah. before they kill you. You're going to die, but they're going to put you to work before. Whereas a place like, and, and this is what I've always told Lee, like, if you're, if you're, this is what gets back to this kind of, like, absurdity. Like, if, if you were put on a train to Treblinka, which is another place in Poland, your life expectancy was 25 seconds. That wasn't a working camp. Mm-hmm. If you were put on a train to Treblinka, you were dead. Like the minute the train stopped, there wasn't a selection. Right. It wasn't like Auschwitz. 
where you some guy, a doctor, SS doctor comes along and just says, yes, no, yes, no, goes down a line of 100 people. This was just, you're off the train, there's one line, and it's, a, it's strictly mechanized murder. Mm-hmm. And that's absurd. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm talking about. But to and think that the, the in cultural that... cultural Jewish but see, humor uh, I, was born right. out of Right, but here's the, the thing about that. Wrestling and, and I, with we've, that. We've talked about this. My, I, I got into a, not a, like, bad debate, but a debate mm-hmm. with a member of Yad Vashem, which is like the cultural teaching place of the uh, Jewish Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why why is it that something, an event, a cataclysm like that takes the life of 11 million people, but y'all only ever want to talk about the six? And I'm not saying that the Jews weren't the primary. They certainly were. Mm-hmm. The, the Jews of Europe were certainly the main target. But there's 11 million, not six. Right, it was six so, million Jews, but 11 million. 11 million inc- homosexuals, Roma, Russians. Handicapped. Uh, homes, uh, handicapped, yes. Uh, physically and mentally anybody that would not right, anybody people. that would either challenge the the nationals the, the Nazis or anyone that would take away the purity of the bloodline right so your your academics were killed your intellectuals uh, if, if your only job was to play a violin your chances weren't good hmm. especially if you were Russian or Jewish and that yeah. was your only job so I got, but that's beside the point. It's not that I try to like take five million I don't, people. I just don't ha- get spoken about right. as nearly as often. When as people the other say six. the Holocaust, it's just they hear six, and I've always been quick to say, "Hey, can we pause on that and just remember mm-hmm. that it was 11? 11, And I know that if anything, it just helps me with an argument. Absurdity: eleven million people killed yeah. in a mechanized murder. And but like when you hear about stories about like Victor Klimper or this doctor in Auschwitz who was only kept alive because he was a doctor, a Jewish doctor, and he made a point every day with a, with a fellow inmate that they had to tell each other a joke. Every mm. day. Yeah. There no missed days. They're in hell. But every day we have to tell each other a joke. Because that was the only... Comedy, humor, provided the only, and I mean the only sense of humanity in their lives. It, everything has stripped away. They right. were watching death happen on a scale that we can never mm. and, and honestly can't hope, never want to hope to imagine. Right. But the only thing that made them feel human was comedy, yeah. humor. And that's why when you hear Ricky Gervais say it's the sixth sense, it's, it, it just rings so fucking true because it's like anything can be funny. Mm. I've heard Holocaust jokes, not just the one about my dad was in World War II and he died and he fell off a... Guard Tower. Guard Tower. Yeah. No. I've, I've heard any number of jokes. Yeah. Most of them not great, but I don't, there's, I don't, you know, condemn the joke. Yeah. Because, like, how else? They, the, the Jews dealt with it that way. I can well, imagine I mean, that the Russian prison camps dealt yeah. with it that way. I can imagine that the homosexuals in prison together dealt and, with and it that way. In terms of the scale, you're talking about 11 million people in one instance. And the, the dwarf I sat next to at the Pete Davidson show was upset about the death of 3,000. Right. Just on a scale. Mm. Like, this isn't funny. It's like, well, maybe not to you, but I happen to know that what we know as modern comedy 
was mostly born out of the Borscht Belt and Jewish comedians who came from a generation of comics that found humor in tragedy, the death of six or 11 million people. So the fact that a 20, I don't know, 25-year-old making jokes about his dad's death in 9-11 is bothering you, it's like, fucking leave, man. Yeah. Like, you obviously don't have a sense of humor or a bigger understanding. I mean, on a much smaller scale, you and I know what it's like to make jokes about our grandmother deciding to disown our family over some dumb which, shit. Which, on the surface, isn't funny. It's not funny. And, and I said this to Chris. It's painful. I said this to Chris the other day. If I'm being honest, it doesn't really hurt me all that much because it's not like she was ever a warm individual to be around where I feel like I'm missing something. Like, when, when I think about the fact that my kids don't know my grandmother on that side of the family, I also simultaneously think, well, it ain't like she was the sweetest person to no. where they're missing out on something. That's sort of a silver lining, but that we joke said, about it. It's still a grandmother. It's still, it's still a grandmother still, uh, yeah. and a great-grandmother in both of our instances, and it's still fucked up how uh, firm she is in that position she's taken, but we joke about it all the time. And I have to think that it's partly because it's a way of coping with how fucked up it is that our grandmother doesn't know our children. What what other avenue do we have? And this kind of came up because Kristen's family is dealing with a... I don't want to go into it because I probably shouldn't, but they're dealing with an issue with one of her siblings where something similar is kind of going on where they're not speaking and that might go on for a while. And they're all really struggling with it. And I can't help, because of my nature, whenever I'm in the room and they're talking about it, I can't help but make jokes about it. Right. Like, it gets so serious and teary-eyed when they all start talking about the circumstances of it all. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm fat. And, you know, like, I don't... I don't don't know what else to do other than to make jokes. You do your comedic tap dance and you try to make the situation Because it's like, and I told Chris, I said, listen, in my experience, this kind of shit can go on for a while. We're talking six plus years with my grandmother. And personally, I don't really care. I don't have any fond memories of her going all the way back to childhood. So I don't feel like my kids are missing out, but I know it sucks for our parents because it's their mom and it's kind of shitty all the way around especially when you see baby v and my kids and brian's daughters like these are people that she doesn't even fucking know she's in fucking lala i still have the fucking package that she sent me sent me for the baby and the big one when she <laughs> knitted stuff for him it's like how fucking how fucking cold and disconnected could you be where you don't know your great grandchildren's names oh wait i forgot your fucking cuckoo bird yeah but or that make... taylor got married in the town you live right. in right but we can make jokes about it, and, yeah. and in the circumstances with what's going on in Kristen's family, like that, I can't, I can't help but resist, or I can't resist the urge to do the same shit. Like, hello, my baby, oh my, baby. oh my, you know, like I can't help but but make the same jokes, and that's like we're talking about. That's singular, but it's a good point. We're it's, talking about we, things that have happened in families for right. generations where there's some sort of discourse and they don't right. speak, and, and, and making jokes about it. We're talking about. We might not have our Mick Flair moment, or Mick Mick Schmear, right? Schmear, but ultimately, I think that's important to talk about. Is something that I have struggled with in trying to explain to, because people, and I know you're the same, have my my whole life, but for a large portion of my life, said you're so funny, and I'm like, you don't even know, because if I could actually joke, listen, I said what was really on my mind. If I could actually joke (laughs) about. What I want to joke about, mm-hmm. who knows how funny I could be. Yeah. But I'm like, 
no one I knew died in 9-11. Yeah. Right? So it would be tough for me to go up there and be like, well, one of those firefighters, last words are probably like, oh, fuck! Yeah. That wouldn't work. Because they'd be like, it's not your dad. Yeah. Right? Ah, oh, fuck, I can't drink anymore. Right. <laughs> I, I could make that joke. Yeah. But I'd have to restructure it and put yeah, it in context. Or, or be ready to be on the defensive. And I, in a and big way. But that's my point, though, is that I, I'm tired, especially, like, and this is not me taking this politically at all, but, like, if you look at our political landscape, frankly, our cultural landscape now in America, mm. what's not to joke about? Yeah. We have a president that tweets on the, sh- on the shitter at 4 a.m. and and says un- just unbelievable things. Yeah, we we've got a, we have politician. A fam- we have a family values Republican president who... Fucked a porn star the like like the day I, his I, kid I, I, was married. I get a bit what I was trying to avoid, but I get what you're saying. But I'm just saying, like, but wh- his, wh- his where base, where is the line now? Right, but what I'll say is his base that doesn't care is the most extreme reaction to the 19 year old social justice warrior who doesn't want to joke about anything. His base is tired of political correctness to the extreme that they'll go. Well, I don't care if he's not like Reagan. He's still my fucking hero. Yeah, and he, he said, you know, he was going to, you know, speak his mind. And and he did. He and does. Uh, uh, Von Esser made a great point as, as far as the campaigns go that are coming up. He's like, you can't treat this next election like any election in the past where, you know, you, you they were talking about how Biden was giving a nod to Stacey Abrams. And Von Esser's point was, you know, historically speaking, the president and the vice presidential candidate should carry their state. And if this Biden-Abrams thing was legit and they were the candidates, I don't think Abrams carries Georgia. But if the strategy is like an old-school political strategy of, well, Abrams being from Georgia means now the Republican Party has to spend more time in Georgia campaigning, like that doesn't apply either because Donald Trump doesn't campaign. He gets on a plane, he lands, he does a rally, everybody shows up, and then he goes <laughs> and then he goes home to his fucking bed. Like he doesn't, he doesn't set up polling offices in various states where there are a battleground. He just shows up and rallies and leaves. That's all he did the first time. That's all he'll do the next time. So that whole strategy is out the window. But I I understand as much as I hate to acknowledge that. All that being said, all I was trying to say was, at what point do people start to realize that anything can be funny? Sure. And, And I guess it ties back into what you've been saying that this young crowd that I, I, you know, we're lumped in, I guess, to this millennial thing. By birth year, yeah. I don't know how what the limits are, but uh, I I don't know today's mm-hmm. 19-year-old. Well, you I t- honestly feel as disconnected to today's high school graduate going into college. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I feel as if I'm as disconnected as if I was 80. You've talked about going and becoming a... A teacher. And a I want to be a professor. A professor. So you're going to deal with these people. I, I, I will. But the difference between being a tenured professor and saying, hey, shut the fuck up. Mm. You know, I don't want to hear this, 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 this political bullshit about what you think is correct or what you don't think is correct. Yeah. That's not how the real world works. Some, so, of, what, some but, of what you'll be butting listen, heads with, though, no, is your fellow staff sociology great, professors. Great, who are, who just Then we need more of that. this bullshit We need heads. more of that. We yeah. need, like, intelligentsia, academics get shit on now by the right 
all oh, over the place. That's my favorite. I lo- and Von Essler, as much as he claims to be a libertarian, does this every fucking day. He's like, me and my sociology professor. He belittles education, and it's like, uh, does has no one picked up on the fact that higher education skews liberal? Right. Like, has nobody picked up on the fact that when people go to college and get bachelor's degrees and then master's degrees and then pursue it further to doctorates, they tend to be a bit more politically liberal because they are more educated and the right's response to that is not, well, let me explain the position of the agricultural blue-collar worker. Their position is, well, let's demonize the educated as elitist and make fun of the fact that they're smart. Right. And it's like, that's... Are you to that stupid? point, though, <laughs> I, I will be the first to say that they're wrong to do this. To, to demonize journalists, to demonize academics it's all part of a greater big plan mm-hmm. for the Republican Party it just is yeah because it gets them votes it's Johnny Q that works at the fucking subway yeah in Calhoun Georgia who, who, who while while who, while getting him to demonize the intelligentsia right. they've also managed to convince because of the American dream you could be a billionaire one day too sure. and this death tax to. may not apply right. to you now but it could when you are eventually worth 12 million dollars but the inverse <laughs> of that is and and this is what I was saying with my case you need somebody in that academic setting to not check it because it would take a lot more than just me, mm-hmm. but someone that says like, "Look, if if you want to study, if you want, because obviously my my speciality, what I want to spend my life teaching is centered around the Third Reich, centered around the Holocaust. Uh, you need to get used to hearing some hard shit." So if you're not if if you're gonna come in my class and say we can't say you can't say that I'm saying you're in the wrong class. Mm-hmm. I've heard. I mean, my my first day. I can't back, say what right. shit that actually happened right. to Jews. My first you're day. You're in the wrong class. My first day in at school, the teacher, we had like 38 students in this class, third Reich. It's why I went to the school I went to was for this particular course, and. She was basically trying to scare people out of it. She wasn't trying to scare people out of it with language. She was saying, this is going to be the hardest class you've ever taken. You're going to be reading this many pages a night. You're going to be doing... The, yeah, I mean, just went down the list, and it sure. went from 38 to 12 in, one, in the first class. Mm-hmm. So I would not do that, because I don't want to scare people away from learning just so mm-hmm. I can have a smaller class size and less of a workload. What she did. <laughs> but I do want to... Shade people, thrown. I, I don't want people to under, to misunderstand my purpose, which is like, put away your this PC culture. Because, mm. you know, you're liberal. Everyone that listens to this show knows that. But you're not a dickhead. There's a, you know, yeah. there's, we shit on conservative dickheads. Mm. I think I'm, try to be fair and shit on the liberal dickheads. It's harder these days. It is getting harder. <laughs> but I try to shit on anybody I find to use the term again, absurd. Yeah. And I don't want to, it's like, stop it. If you yeah. can't, if you can't turn off this PC culture, we're going nowhere. Yeah. If you're going to be the same 18 year old that's been coddled and, and I love when they say participation trophies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got trophies for being there, but I didn't ask for them. You fucking did this. Yeah, that's the that's the, the fucking baby boomer Gen X. They're, they I, decided no, yeah. to give the trophy to the millennials. When, when I was in elementary school, if you had, had perfect attendance, you got a perfect attendance award, but I didn't ask for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, the you, millennial. You, you did this. Yeah, the millennial generation didn't invent the participation trophy. Yeah, you their did. Their parents did. Yeah. So why and shit it's on their me? parents that are shitting on them now for feeling entitled? Speaking of shitting, make uh, doos. Shit? Yeah. We'll uh, save sex. And with that, folks, we've reached the uh, less than normal ending to today's episode. Again, I apologize for the missing next hour and a half. Um, It's just not usable. So uh, these things happen. Uh, I do my best on the back end when we're not recording to uh, make sure the audio always sounds good and make sure that everything uh, is as good as it can be with what limited resources we have. But unfortunately, it's it's just no good. So uh, uh, we'll go out on that sort of odd... uh, Holocaust history mixed with modern day liberals and the laugh man having to take yet another McDonald's shit. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Look forward to uh, doing next week's episode. We'll see you guys for episode 57. Until then, I'll say it for the laugh man. Holla.